This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Travis Turner of The Satire. Hosted by Dan Terry. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Terry. And with me tonight is Travis Turner of The Satire, formerly of As the Story Grows Podcast. How are you doing tonight, man? Good man, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing good. No, it's 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 my pleasure. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that we we worked this out as quick as we did. I think I was texting you yesterday, and we're like, yeah, let's let's just do it. <laughs> so you're hitting me at a good time. Apparently, I, along with the rest of the planet, had an open evening. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> man, so. how'd you pull that off? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's not. <laughs> well, when I was texting you, I was in the uh, parking lot of an IHOP. Uh, picking up, uh, picking up mother's day breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was actually really weird. My card ended up getting declined because I guess I'm so poor that every time I like it, like if, because I decided to order out that one day, the bank was like, that's suspicious. <laughs> and they shut my, they shut my card down. <laughs> so I had to like call and it was, it was pretty funny, but that's funny. The commercials are always like, um, Mr. Terry, uh, did you buy a porcelain mule statue in Indonesia five minutes ago? And you're like, no, that would be ridiculous. Yours was like, are you at IHOP? Yes, I'm at IHOP. I think it might have just been through their website. Maybe everything automates through their website, which is probably in like California or something. Maybe. maybe, maybe. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the deal was with that. But that is not what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of wanting to pick your brain about the satire because I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about the satire, and I was going to ask you about the satire. Oh well, crap! That this is the wrong show for that because. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> No, like one of the things, you know, obviously I know that, you know, it's a, uh, it's a Brian Gray band, which, uh, I was talking to Clank the other night and, uh, he described Brian Gray as, uh, the Kevin Bacon of music. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess, uh, just to start off, kind of break the ice a little bit, what, uh, how did you get in touch with Brian Gray and the satire guys and end up with your current, I'm assuming still current gig with the satire and what you guys are up to? Okay. Um, when I was the host of As the Story Grows, I was trying to chase Brian down to be a guest. And if memory serves, it was uh, via Facebook Messenger. I just kept thumping on him. Like, out of the blue, I would just be like, dude, you should come on my show. And he'd be like, I will, as soon as I'm done with this thing, or something like that. And he would just he would just troll me along like some chick that didn't want to come on a date or something. Like, you know what I mean? And um, it became a joke. We, we would get into some long discussions, or he'd be like, excuse me, he would, he would, uh, send me a message about a current, my most current show or something. And he'd be like, that was pretty cool. When you asked him about blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, thanks man. I appreciate it. You should come on my show. And then he would just ghost me for two days. And I'm like, (laughs) he's such a jerk. And then out of the blue one day, I think he just said, um, Jim's not in Jim from the blamed, um, was kind of the satire drummer unofficially because I think just out of convenience, when Jim was involved with the blame, it was just easy to say, yo dude, can you play some satire stuff? I think that might not be accurate. I don't know, but I think Jim kind of just wanted to stick, um, with punk rock. I, he wasn't really feeling all the, the math and the, the satire requires some homework. And I, 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 Brian gave me the impression that he was like, Jim can do it, but I don't think he wants to do you do it. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. So I, I kind of said yes, because <clears throat> I assumed that we're all in our forties and no one has any money. 
he was just going to correspond with me. Like I have a studio in my basement with some tracking and I know how to do all that Dropbox stuff. And I, I thought he just meant he was going to send me stuff and I would record and ship it back. Dude flew me to Chicago to record. And I was like, cool. That's really neat. Never. I can honestly say no one's ever flown me out there, uh, flown me around to do that before. So uh, I recorded, I think it's about a year and a half ago or something. I flew out to Chicago to record. Uh, I tried to cram an entire full length into a weekend. I didn't, I didn't get it done. I, I, did, I did pretty good. But I had a couple songs that I kind of just I kind of just played mediocre. So he was like, we're going to circle back around and I'll fly you back out here someday and we'll finish them. And we never got around to doing that again. So now he's like, you know what? Why don't you just finish them in your studio and I'll make them sound best I I'll make them sound like what I recorded the best I can. I'm like, okay. So I just got my studio up and running literally weeks ago with Brian's help. And we are aiming to finish, uh, officially finish the drum tracking probably over the next couple months. That's exciting. So that means that there's a full length on the way. Yes, sir. Okay. Most certainly. Yeah, because all I've heard is that like three song demo that came out a million years ago. And, um, yeah. It, you know, are we looking at, you know, because kind of, I haven't really seen a lot of clips or anything or anything. I mean, it, it's funny how, how low key um, the band is as far as like researching and finding out information. Um, but I mean, if, if it's before before a full length. So, you know, what, yeah. what information is there uh, if there isn't any? Right. Are we looking at like kind of the same sort of sound or um, are we going in a different direction? Or are we still like because I mean, the, the demo was. Uh, it was like melting my face as far, <laughs> as far as, uh, intensity. I mean, are, are we looking at kind of the same sort of, sort of sound here or is it kind of, um, or ha has anything else been added to it? Um, the best way I can answer that would be that actually all three songs on that demo are going to be on the full length, except it's going to be updated with all the new musicians and everything. The only common thread between that and this is Brian actually. But the main difference that I think kind of satire in my opinion found like low like low gear when they brought jesse hawley on as the vocalist the guy who's singing for him that dude's voice man he really he's he's he added some sort of um old school hardcore tough guy element to the vocals that i think it didn't quite before it had a little bit more of a uh, screechy craziness kind of a vocal style to it and Jeff really gets that gurgly throaty hardcore thing into it which I, I think just put balls into it that it didn't have uh, nothing personal to the old recording I'm rec I'm learning from the old recording so it's not like they're not adequate but something about I mean you can you can <laughs> you can pick a band that we all love it's all pretty much just metalcore riffs and decent drums you can change the vocalist around and completely alter the band I think I think Jesse was probably the missing element in my opinion not not to take from anybody else in the band but i'm excited for everybody to hear him and we have a split with the blame with two songs out so that's that'll give you an idea as to what jesse sounds like dude will hurt you he's he's a really great vocalist i think yeah i know jesse from well from facebook that's how i know everybody these days is is all all facebook and um <laughs> but no that's that's exciting because i you know it's one of those things where you know for me whenever it's a band i haven't really heard of or had a lot of experience with starting out you know i mean these this day and age somebody's like hey check out this band and i'm like okay you know <laughs> you know I'm so jaded. I always tell my friends, like, what's a metal band supposed to do to impress me anymore? Oh, you have like, like light yourself on fire. I'm like, yeah, I saw Dillinger do that ten years ago. I don't, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. 
No, I feel that. I feel like I'm getting old. Because, um, yep. I mean, even even on discography discussion, we've we've ventured away from metal a few times, um, and nobody's given us too much flack for it. But, you know, it's definitely one of those, like... So, and that, that's why I thought it was interesting, you know, whenever I heard the band and, and knew that you were playing with them, that, you know, you had kind of um, also, you know, you and I had, had conversations about, you're like, and I'm getting kind of kind of getting burned out with heavy music and <laughs> you know in yeah. yeah. all of that stuff and then you know and then i catch wind that you're playing drums for you know a pretty uh a pretty heavy extreme band you know yeah um, was that just kind of a like challenge yourself kind of kind of thing or yeah i mean i i knew i knew where the satire was coming from being being a being a a, a faith-based band i knew that um, the, the one thing I don't want to do is get involved in any kind of tough guy metal. Um, I, I'm just not into the whole, like, I'm not into the posturing and the scene and, and the, every, every scene comes with a weird starter kit. And I've never been that guy. I was the guy that like was in a tech metal band and wore flip flops to the show. And you know what I mean? Like, I just want to, I don't want to be, it's not that I don't want to be that. Like I'm trying to get away from it. I'm just not, I'm a dad shorts guy. I don't care. I don't care about that kind of stuff. So that's kind of like important to me that I'm not involved in something that I, I don't really have my heart in. So setting all that aside, I kind of don't care what he's singing about as long as it's not like, you know, whatever. I, I don't care what he's singing about as long as it's not like stupidly over the top, just like meathead jock metal. You know what I mean? But the math of it was interesting to me because I got to talking to Brian about the, the blame. I was never really a blame fan. I was never really a tooth and nail fan <laughs> to be straight with you. Um, I, I never really liked that kind of stuff, and, and I, I wasn't a huge Blame fan, so I was kind of like, what does your other band sound like? And he sent me this stuff, and I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, that's neat. I would have to be like running numbers the whole time, and I I, I, I wanted the challenge of of uh, making something sound like that again at my age. I wanted to I wanted to prove it to myself to see if I could pull it off, you know, because I introduced Brian to the Armed and bands like that, and, and, and he was like, I'm kind of looking for that kind of sound. And I was like, oh, are you? Okay, cool. That sounds like fun. So... Yeah, I kind of, I kind of wanted, I kind of got a little itchy to do something heavy again, but not the commitment of climbing in a van and doing it. Man, I don't have it in me. So the fact that they're in Chicago kind of guarantees me that, like, if we really start booking up and getting busy, I'm going to play three times a year, <laughs> maybe. So right. I can do that. I'll do that. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, none of it, none of it seems to pay the bills. Um, <laughs> it's it, not even money. It's just about. I, I want to be home. I'm a homebody, man. I I'm home anyway. Well, and you know that that that's exciting for me knowing that there's a there's a new satire record coming out and yeah. that it's going to be it's going to be pretty melt my face, which I, you know, there haven't been a lot of bands that play that style now. I remember a lot of bands. And I'm not saying it like it's dated or anything or that it's like a retro throwback or anything like that. But right. I mean I can't I can't remember bands having that sort of mathy sound since like the very early 2000s, you know that's what attracted me to it. I, the way Jesse sings without ripping him off. Uh, he reminds me, of, it reminds me of coalesce. One, one of my favorite bands ever. And as far as the throwback sound and everything, yeah, dude, I'm 44. Brian's older than me. Sid's older than Brian. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get what we've been seasoned with for so long. We're not going to come up with any new ideas, you know, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> They're a bunch of we're a bunch of punker metal guys that just still like playing it and everything. I don't think we're gonna re you know I don't think we're gonna revolutionize anything. I think it's gonna be oh yeah these guys kind of remind me of 
coalesce when they were half decent. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> with working with Brian Gray, you know, um, I mean, just based on your history as a music fan, I know you weren't like super into the blame, but I'm sure there were, because here's the thing, Brian Gray's been in so many bands that it's almost hard to throw a rock at a bunch of band names and, and hit one that he wasn't in. Yeah. Uh, really. <laughs> at least Apparently, in some he capacity. It went, he was playing in four bands and working there the entire time for like forever. He's, he's yeah, he's Kevin Bacon. Clank got it right, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till that post. I, I actually, whenever he said that, I, 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 I screened, I basically just, I sent Brian a message immediately and I was like, well, apparently you're Kevin Bacon now. So, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, as far as far as working with him, you know, I, I've never I've never encountered somebody with that much drive, you know, as far as like, especially and this is going to sound derogatory. It's it's not. But like at his age, at your age, you know, um, I mean, I'm hitting 30. What, oh, my God. What year is it? So I'm hitting like 34 and I'm already. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, th- that's old for me, dude. Like most of my hair is gray. Like it's, you know. I apologize. This is my quarantine hair, so the fro the fro is back. Mine is falling out. <laughs> I'll never but, I'll never be bald. But, no, but I respect I respect where it's coming from. I don't take it as an insult. You're right. It's it's really it's really turned into a uh, let's be as organized and serious of a weekend warrior thing as we can because on Monday I gotta go I gotta go pay bills and, and do dad stuff and husband stuff and cut my grass and I just built a fire pit with my wife like that's. I'd, I'd rather hang out at my fire pit and burn something and drink a beer on my back patio than, 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 than be in some stupid club on a Saturday trying to sell you a seven inch or something. I just don't care. I'm just not in it anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear <laughs> you. Worry about it, you know? Well, burnout's really real. And, you know, yeah. that, and yeah, you're, I mean, you're describing pre- basically my whole previous weekend was barbecue. Let's see, barbecue. Um, I w- attempted to plant a garden for my wife as a mother's gay gift. I got most of it done, but I was like digging like tree roots out of the ground, which was just okay. not, um, wasn't how I expected to spend my Sunday, but I, but I did I broke a couple of shovels. It was awesome. But I literally ripped bushes out on mother's day for my wife as well. I, I was chopping roots with a, with an ax and cursing under my breath because stupid bush where can this other root possibly be i've already cut six of them yeah i'm doing the same thing dude that's funny it goes it goes six feet that way yeah like that's <laughs> just under the house how do they even get under there it's a little push <laughs> so, <know>. yeah <laughs> yep um and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of kind of rewind the clock a little bit um on this stuff and i realize that maybe some of the things i'm going to ask you are and there are things that i probably already know the answer to but uh and a lot of this stuff can be found on podcasts i mean there's years of as the story grows of you talking about this stuff and mm-hmm. all of that but um you know this is uh this is the newest uh the newest rehash of all that <laughs> sure yeah um, i haven't been, i haven't been on a show since i left that show my goodbye episode so yeah yeah i don't know i haven't really I haven't really had much to update since then, but yeah, we'll reiterate all the stuff. I don't care. Well, I mean, we talked about. I mean, we talked about the satire. That was the biggest update. Um, that's, that's new, I guess. Yeah. Because I feel, I feel like when you did your last episode of As the Story Grows, were you playing in a cover band? Oh yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, just a local. I had a local thing going where. Um, yeah. Again, I need money. So um, I like money. You got some money. It's one of my favorite things to purchase with. So. Uh, yeah, there was a local band around here that needed me to fill in for their full-time drummer who was like 
going through a divorce and had a had a rough schedule situation where he had two kids and was now getting divorced and marrying a woman who had four. So every other weekend, this dude had six kids. So so when do cover bands work? Weekends. So just about every other weekend he wasn't available. So I, I was like, I'll take the work. And it was just, it was awesome. It was so much fun sitting and playing like, like Stevie Wonder stuff and Gnarls Barkley. And st- I just, I liked, I liked the dichotomy of being like, yeah, I'm working on satire songs and <laughs> I'm going to fly home and play Justin Timberlake at a wedding. You know what I mean? That's, I, I like, I like that challenge too. I like having a lot of hats. How many Chuck Berry songs or not Chuck Berry. Uh, how many, how many, uh, yeah. Buck Cherry songs did you have to play? <laughs> I never played a Buck Cherry song, but I I will I will admit that I played um I've done Hootie and the Blowfish. I've done both of the Sublime songs that everyone knows. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I've played Plush from Stone Temple Pilots in three different bands in my life. <laughs> but that's cool. But that's cool. <laughs> uh, if I if I never hear that song again, I'd be fine with it. Ugh. Just talk about burnout. Oy, oy, oh, I can't I don't have to hear that again. But yeah, I, I did. I did the cover thing around my house too. Just kind of a fill-in guy. I mean, I'll. I mean, I'll sit in with your band, get some free beer, and get eighty bucks. I sure. was going to say, cover bands make money. I mean, one hundred percent. I've been playing original metal my whole life. I'm not used to people walking up and handing me cash at the end of a show. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm going to rewind pretty pretty far back, and um, this is actually a question that your replacement asks people a lot on uh, as the story grows, and I've kind of stolen it from him. Okay. Um, so sorry, Brian. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as, and again, I already know this, uh, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it just basically for the listeners is, you know, it, what, what made you go from being a person that, you know, appreciates music? Cause like, that's what I am essentially is, is a guy that appreciates music officially. What was it for you that inspired you to go from being a guy that liked music to being a guy that wanted to actually make it? I wish I had as funny and concise of an answer as my cousin. Because I know when he was on your show, he just said, Striper. And that made me laugh. I, uh, that was really funny. I had I no idea that you even listened to my show. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here, here and there. I, not all of them. I definitely can't keep up with everybody. Oh, it's a cherry. But, dude, it's a cherry pick show for sure. Yeah. 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 That's what podcasts are supposed to be, I think. Um, what made me, I guess that's a decent, it's a huge question. But I guess there was something about, I guess it, it was working with my dad when I was a kid um, we didn't have, uh, really an opportunity to get me a babysitter. I was like 11 or 12 or something. That was just a little bit too young to be left home alone. I'll probably light something on fire or hurt the dog or something dumb. So, um, I had to go to work with my dad who did construction work and he was a little bit older than the other dads. Like, like right now, if I'm 44 years old, anybody else who's around my age, their dad was listening to like Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and the Beatles and that era. You know what I mean? like the trippy Beatles, you know what I mean? Um, my dad was a little bit older. He was 42 when he had me. So he lis- he was listening to like doo-wop. I came up on like, I came up on like the four tops and stuff. And that, that's what was jamming in my house or, or every time I went down to the barn or the garage, I should say, my dad was listening to that. So I, I, I listened to like, I listened to stuff that had swing in it. Rock music is a little bit more linear, a little bit more concise. Um, I kind of didn't circle back to classic rock till I was in my mid twenties, but I guess long story short to answer your question, it was my dad. He just, the friggin' guy never didn't have a radio on. And I just started when I went to work with him, it was oldies all day, oldies, the entire work, 
day, the, the whole trip home. We get home, and and by the time I got home, I had busted the. Uh, I brought I brought one of these to to show you. Remember these construction pencils? I have one upstairs. My wife literally picked one up and says, "Is this yours?" Like literally, like yesterday. The rectangular construction pencils that dudes use on the job, and they and they sharpen with a razor blade. I would I would I would on the dashboard with these things, and my dad was getting totally frustrated every time he went to sharpen it. The lead inside was all busted. Yeah, because I broke them all. Oh and, no! And he was like, he was like, you know, I, I guess I was keeping up with it one day on the dashboard or on my leg or whatever. And he was like, you're getting pretty good at that. We have to buy you a drum set. And that was my, oh, I never thought of that moment. I guess I was probably about 12. Something hit me and I was just like, I think I want to play the drums. I want to try that. And I have been doing it for 32 years. And so it was definitely drums. I mean, what what attracted you to drums? Because, I mean, you know, you're being exposed to all this music. Uh, you know, what? You because know, like for me, um, it was singing. Is what you know, even though you know, you know, I'm not a like a la 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 singer by any means, but um, yeah, but uh, you know, the uh, you know, for me, it was always always the energy of, of the voice, you know, for for my co host Joe, it was the guitar. I know you met Joe as a drummer, but Joe is primarily a guitar player, um, and yeah, he, he's he's actually incredible, like shred, you know, all that. You listening to that, Joe? Um, that one's for you, buddy, uh, but uh. You know, it, you know, it was always, I, now I, I don't know if I've ever met too many people that were like, oh, it's the bass. The bass is my, is, is my yeah, instrument. Right You're right. They're few and far between. Yeah. Like may, maybe like a Joshua Toomey or somebody like that, you know, maybe right. it was like bass is my inspiration. But, uh, you know, it, so what was it about drums, I guess, whenever you had all those other kind of elements to draw from, or was it just something that came to you just like naturally? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that I ever had it presented to me as a choice of a bunch of other instruments. I did take piano lessons when I was a kid for three years because your mom makes you take piano lessons. And I hated it the entire time. And I'll be damned. She was right. I can hold down a chord or two, but I'm I'm no, I'm no piano player. I played the saxophone for a year. Um, I thought the dude uh, in Bruce Springsteen's band looked badass when he would take his saxophone off and swing it around to his back. Oh yeah. And then he would like low read days and he would dance. Right. That's cool. So right. Well, hang on. The story gets tragic. Okay. He, he had his strapped onto him like a guitar strap where it was clipped <laughs> the top and the back and the bottom. You already know where I'm going, right? Okay. Yeah. I got, I got the neck thing. So when I went to swing around the back, I almost hung my dumb ass. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and like the first day in, I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And my mom was like, well, we're doing lessons for a year. I played saxophone for a year. I don't know that I ever completed a song without making it sound like I was murdering a cat. (laughs) Well, that's um, just the saxophone though, right? If you do it wrong. Yeah. It's most wind. Most wind instruments are are brutally honest. If you're not doing it right, it'll tell you, you know, saxophone. Um, To me, that's the worst instrument, but (laughs) continue. I love it. I just don't let me play it. Let's let somebody who leave it in the hands of the professionals. I don't, I guess my mom took me to get guitar lessons. I, I got into, I started getting into rock and whatever. And I, I think she went to take me for guitar lessons at a local music shop. And the dude said my hands were too small. Now, now we all know you can go on YouTube and look at like a five-year-old kid that knows how to like shred now. Yeah. Hands are smaller than mine. So that guy just didn't know what he was talking about. Bring him back in a year. Like in a year, I'm going to come back with like Slenderman fingers, right? Right. So I was like, okay, whatever. So within that year, I 
is when the drum thing happened and I just never looked back. And to this day, I don't even know what a chord on a guitar is. I don't know how to play the guitar at all. I wouldn't even, wouldn't even, I don't even need another instrument. I have too much fun on the drums. So I don't know to answer your question. I, I just, it was presented to me as an option. I jumped on it. Haven't had a desire to leave. So, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is, you know, kind of, kind of the older, like classic stuff, like, you know, even, even the doo-wop stuff, which as an older person, I'm starting to actually appreciate more. Um, I've gone on a weird, I've gone on a weird musical journey since I started a metal podcast. Um, because like, I, I love metal, but now it kind of feels like work uh, a little bit. So, um, you know, what was it that got you into, into heavier music as far as, um, because and, and I asked Steven this as well because I was like, you know, weren't you scared uh, at some point? <laughs> you know, you're, you're going you're going from relatively normal songs that are being sung by by normal people to these. Um, and again, his answer was Striper, which is not you know totally satisfactory. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, what what was it that got you into heavier music, especially considering the background where you had kind of started off listening to, you know, uh, Christian music as far as the the heavier stuff goes. Um, my friend, Josh Kale, who played, uh, he actually played bass on that, that first on teachers album that I know you talk about a lot. Um, he, he's been like one of my closest friends for, since we were in youth group together when we were kids and, and, um, yeah, we both came up in Christian homes and you were only allowed to listen to Christian music. You can't, anything else is, you know, sure. Same. Yeah. Plagued with demons or whatever. And, um, he introduced me to him and I had, had a, had a, not a falling out. That's not the right term. Him and I when when you're a kid, you go where your parents go. You just hang out with your parents. I, I didn't have a circle of friends. I had friends who were where their parents were. You have no control over where you go. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of a way to say, it. so him and I had uh, a, we must've left the church or he left the church or whatever. And, and we disconnected for a while, maybe like a year, got back together on the phone and was like, um, so I think I said this before on the show. What are you into? Still, you still trading baseball cards? No, not really. I got into music. Oh, really? Me too. What are you listening to? And he was like, well, I kind of, I kind of got, I kind of went down this path. <laughs> he introduced me to believer. Um, the first super heavy thing that I ever heard was believers extraction for mortality that came in with, uh, classical strings and, and, uh, it sounded like, it sounded like a combination of things that I'd heard before. Cause I got exposed to some classical and some jazz, weirdly enough, whatever was, whatever was laying around the house, like chick, chick Korea, weird stuff. And, um, I, I don't know, man, that opening riff started and, um, it like, it hit me at the same time that MTV hit me. And I came up through the glam hair metal phase where like, you flip on the TV and you're looking at the biggest, baddest drum sets you've ever seen. And oh my god, so excessive! Yeah, bass drums in the air and stupid stuff like that. And and um, I I understood how to play a drum set. Like I I physically see people do it because I'm watching videos. I'm also watching people throw them in swimming pools and light them on fire and everything. So I mean, like you, it's all the excess and everything. But like I started listening to that Believer record a cassette I should say and and I just understood it just I understood what a symbol grab was I just okay I get this now and and off I went and there was something about the bombasticness of the drums and how fast they were and everything I just wanted to get good at that yeah um I kind of jumped right over punk and I got right into both feet with metal and 
and um, Believer, Tourniquet, uh, Deliverance. I uh, wasn't a huge Mortification guy, but Scrolls is awesome. Uh, that that stuff. Um, Crucified, you know, hats off to Jim. I've been listening to Jim since I was a kid. Um, Same. Yeah, been listening to all that stuff. And and then kind of got and then like kind of back ended into Metallica, Megadeth, and oh oh that's what all these guys are listening to. <laughs> right, right. But he says Living Sacrifice sounds like Slayer. I guess I should start listening to Slayer. You know, especially Deliverance. They were like Metallica 2.0. You know, yeah, they yeah. were. I mean, if you go back and listen to my interview with Jimmy, it was like that's what everybody was saying about Deliverance. They're like, you're ripping off Metallica. Good, they're a great band. You know, he's like, that's a great great choice to rip off. I kind of I kind of caught up to the uh the other not christian stuff later and um and and then i just i was insatiable i i didn't want to do anything other than listen to listen to music when i wasn't playing drums or play the drums when i wasn't listening to music it's so funny to hear i was like i was like hearing that story because it it very much mirrors what i went through growing up um and uh, i always have to say okay yeah the interview's not about me but i just i relate so much and it it's so funny sure. um a lot of those records it's funny though cuz you were hearing those when they were relevant i didn't hear those records until uh probably like the 2000s uh, right. <laughs> you know <laughs> early 2000s so it was always kind of a kind of a history lesson for me um you know and so you played so did you did you play in bands as a drummer uh prior to um crotch alathian that because that's the first thing i remember you being on but th- there had to have been other stuff one band i i, I was jamming with some friends kind of had like a queen's dream theater thing going high vocals and everything yeah um, <laughs> you yeah. love it at the time come on at the time i loved it sure uh yeah at the time i loved dream theater before i decided it was silly i can't listen to it anymore but um i the only the first band that actually did something like got out and started playing was this insane, interesting. I, I if I had if I was forced to tell somebody what it sounded like, it was like progressive indie. It was really really mathy, really interesting, and all over the place with songs about flying saucers and aliens and like tongue in cheek, funny backhanded political stuff. Um, the music was really screamoy. But not like again talking to somebody that got into stuff in 2002. Not that screamo. I'm talking. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm aware. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm talking to the other people. Oh, okay. You're talking you, like like I said. You and you're I talking talk. past me. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking over you. <laughs> All right. But it was it, it was a band called My Brother the Woodmaker. Okay. Dumbest name ever. It was a stupid funny story behind. Whatever, it, man. That's the most indie name I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Come Appreciate on. You. Um. Did you come up with it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. My, my, uh, you want to hear that story? That's really dumb. I, I want to hear it. I got, I got nothing but time, dude. I'm on lockdown. My, my friend Tom, to this day, still buddies with him. He's in the thread that just dinged me. Let's put it that way. Okay. Right. <laughs> Tom and me and a couple other dudes were in this band, and we were trying to come up with a name. And he said, "I think we should call the band My Brother the Woodmaker." And I was like, "Not until you explain why that doesn't make any sense." <laughs> So we had this mutual friend named Dave Groyce. Everybody just called him Groyce. Groyce's little brother, Tom and Groyce were at their house one night watching Seinfeld or something. I don't know what they were doing. And Groyce's little brother came in the room and said, Dave, I want to build something, but how do you make wood? And he went, what? <laughs> the, kid, the kid didn't understand that you had to take bigger wood and cut it down to something. He thought you made wood. 
made wood. So uh, <laughs> they start, hey, here comes my brother, the woodmaker. So, That's awesome. So Side note to that story too. I had I just had my six year old help me build a computer a couple weeks ago, and uh, because it was literally to try to prevent that mindset, you know, of because she's like computer. She's like you buy a computer at the store, and I was like, no, you, you can buy, you know, like you can put together elements. This entire world that we live in is uh, is created by human beings <laughs> you know uh somebody had to make all this stuff like sure somebody makes it and you could buy it at the store but right. i you know so that's 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 hilarious because that that was something that was on my mind uh you know a couple weeks ago and i was like no i want i want my kids to know that like you know these houses weren't just like there and we just moved into them yeah. <laughs> you know i've had that i've had that conversation with them before where i'm like i don't mean to sound like an old man but i don't know how to relate with so i don't know how to relate with you when you've literally never not had texting, right? You've literally never not had the internet in your pocket. Like I, I remember pulling over and using a phone card to call and say, you're going to be late for a gig because you can't understand the map you're reading. Remember paper maps. I remember those days. Map quest, so, dude. That's how we get, that's how we got to your house. It's map quest. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't print out the map quest directions, you're screwed or you got to pull over and use a phone card and dial like a 17 digit number <laughs> It costs like a thousand dollars a minute. I remember. So, so I'm not going down a path of like this generation is so spoiled. This generation has an amazing amount of privileges in their pocket. I wish they wouldn't squander them so much on dumb stuff. But I, I watch. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for clickbait and stupid stuff too. But absolutely. But they just don't. They, they don't know the contrast. They've never not had it. Just like the reason I'm not upset about it is because I bet my dad said the same stuff about me. Yeah, and we'd be the same way if we had had that stuff. Exactly. You kids don't know how we would. You know, he 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 grew up in a a a house in Maine that that only only one part of the house had electric. The other part of the house was heated with a like a wood stove. You know what I mean? So like his he he was still fascinated by the coffee maker. Right. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? Yeah, and we, we as kids are sitting there in a temperature controlled environment like it's too cold in here. Yeah. It's, it's slightly humid in here. Please do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. Go adjust a knob with two fingers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, try trying to do it from my phone and it disconnected somehow. This is ridiculous. I have to get up and use my my fingers. Yeah, so dumb. <laughs> I know. Third but, world tree, you know. Right. Well, and, you know, to be, speaking of that, like, you know, so you had played, you know, you played in a band, you know, prior to Lathian. Obviously, Lathian was my introduction to, um, actually, it was kind of my introduction to tech metal because, like, you were describing oh. before. So, like, what you were describing before was, um, and I know we've talked about this. We talked on that, that death episode we did on discography discussion a thousand years ago. But, uh, you know, we... Uh, like I was listening to all that stuff. I was getting into extreme music again, Christian music, because that's what was okay. And, um, you know, so I hear it, it's funny. It, it parallels how you were like, yeah, I got into all these Christian bands and then I got into the bands that they were into. So, so when I, when I heard, you know, Cru it was crutch then, um, hope prevails. And then, you know, maybe six months later, I'm like, Oh, okay. There's this band called Death, and there's this record called Human, and you know, so I listen to that, and oh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is this is where these guys came up with that because uh -huh. before before that, I thought you guys were just like in like the musical geniuses, you know, <laughs> like oh, like before that, like I, you know, I was I was like, oh my god, I've never heard music like this before or whatever, and then I went out and I found music like it, 
you know. Right. Yeah, we were just ripping off that. Really. But yeah, we we ripped that off so much we we R.I.P.ed Chuck Schuldner in our album. <laughs> so yeah, we were really into that. Um, well, how'd you meet up with those guys? I don't think we ever covered that in detail. And I like the purpose of of, of a lot of this discussed metal stuff is to be semi semi like archival in the okay. sense of just having you know like documentation of this is how this started this is how how this went and i and i'm sure it's something you're tired of me talking to you about because i mean the 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 the, the crutch alathian thing is like a, a a skeletal a skeleton of a horse in my backyard you know at this point yeah, but. Dude, i'm not even on social media so i i'm i i don't i'm not burned out on these conversations anymore <laughs> there you go Nobody talks to me. <laughs> um, how did I meet him? It was Steven. It was my cousin in Tantrum of the Muse. He knew that Crutch, this 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 band from Messiah College out in Grantham, Pennsylvania, um, needed a drummer. And he was like, I think, I think you'd be a good fit. So I remember going to their oh Dan. I remember going to their website <laughs> in ninety-nine when it was like <laughs> HTTPS angelfire.com <laughs> backslash yep. blah, 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 blah. Like you typed it in wrong like six times. And uh, so then I, I got to the site and then I let it load. I walked away and made dinner, came back and it was three quarters of the way up, you know. There you go. I was scrolling through their pictures and I saw like eyeliner and makeup and stuff. And I was just like, nope, don't do this. And I'm not playing the tough guy role. I just, I'm not putting on eyeliner, dude. I can't, I, I can't do that. So I, I landed an interview with Alex over the phone. I remember call, I remember talking to him in two parts. Uh, once was in the evening in my apartment, and the next day from work. <laughs> I remember talking to him from work, um, and uh, just just basically had a long talk about like what are you into? What are you into? And apparently, I cracked off a couple bands that caught his attention. Um, you ever hear a band called Damn the Machine? Absolutely, I'm a huge fan. And not, uh, and not from just talking to you. I that was a, I actually bought that in a dollar bin somewhere. Yeah, and I was uh, like, "Damn the damn the machine." That's a cool band name. And then I so I listened to the record. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then I then I was like, "Oh wait a minute, this dude was in Megadeth." And it looks so yeah, it just you know, exactly, yeah, exactly. yeah, it cycled I think I from there. Got my hooks in Alex by mentioning "Damn the Machine" in in the same sentence that I mentioned "Cynic," and he was like, "Okay, I'm listening," you know. But yeah, I saw "Damn the Machine" on. Um, back when, back when, um, they used to put out VHS cassettes of, of, it was almost like a mixtape. It's probably a label, probably A&M pushing it out or whatever. I remember Jesus Christ posed, uh, posed from, from Soundgarden was on there. Um, damn the machine, the mission, I think the, was like their hit. Um, the Melvins were on there. It was crazy. It was a, it was a wild it's a pretty wild VHS cassette. A lot of variety there. Yeah. Lots, a lot. And every song on there was just awesome. And I remember, I just remember, damn the machine. I, I remember liking that. And then I found the CD somewhere, bought it. And so I mentioned to Alex, I like them. I'm into Cynic. I like uh, Mashuga. And he was like, do you? <laughs> I was like, yep. That was, uh, man, Chaos Fear wasn't even out yet. No, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I think Chaos yeah. Fear was like 98, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what came after Chaos Fear? Uh, Catch 33. That sounds right. Catch was I, I did I, I did a whole discography discussion on Meshuggah and I don't remember that's <laughs> that's fine little um, peek behind the curtains kids yeah whoa <laughs> yeah fourth wall yeah but um the uh we talked about the uh, future breed machine riff um that is heavily borrowed and all in disbelief um so I, I, he was like you can play that kind of stuff I was like yes I can I, I you know I grew up listening to this and that and everything and he was like 
you know what? Let's go for it. And I was like, go for, go for what? How does this work? Where do we meet? And it turns out that my cousin, not Steven, my cousin Trisha married to a dude who had a youth group in Reading, Pennsylvania. And he actually had a building in Reading in like downtown with all due respect, five should not be pushing 10 grand worth of equipment up and down the sidewalk at night area. <laughs> and, not, the, not the best insurance policy. Yeah. Oh, no, pretty dumb. I, I would have, I would have robbed us. I mean, like you, I, they knew what time we were coming. An I, opportunity I, is an opportunity, man. Yeah. Exactly. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. And, um, I basically said long shot, but halfway between Grantham and my house is Reading. Hey, Joe, do you think we could do this? And he was like, yep, handing me the keys. And uh, we basically had the keys to a inner city youth group uh, building for like four years. And uh, and he was like, he was like, just don't wreck the place. I said, nah, we're not gonna do. It. And we and we, we and we didn't. We we were not a wild band. I, I hear all these stories about what guys did on the road and stuff like that. Dude, we were sitting in the van reading. <laughs> We're a bunch of nerds playing chess and shit. <laughs> we're a bunch of nerds. We're trying to get it. We're trying to get our brains prepped for the uh, technical music that we're about to display. Exactly. <laughs> Legs crossed at the knee, smoking a pipe. It's like nobody, nobody thinks we're geniuses. No, one guy does in Missouri. Yeah, like, you know, uh, it. You know, when 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 Crutch was first starting out, you know. Because uh, Steven, your cousin, sent me a, actually sent me the original demo that they had had out. I think it's like four songs, and um, it was more of like a. Uh, it was before less me before me. It was before you, I believe, because yeah. it was more yeah. like it was more metalcore. Like it was not yeah. like at least like metalcore then, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I actually kind of kind of dug it. I mean, it doesn't sound great, but like it's. Oh, I, I liked it too. We played we played three of those songs until I was up to speed with the newer stuff, but yeah. I don't know what they're called, but yeah, remember those. There's a lot of a lot of the same songs I think were reworked uh for for the Hope Prevails record. And I could be wrong about that, but it's on my other computer and I don't feel like walking over there three feet to look. But uh it's uh it, it's definitely, you know, it, it it was interesting to me and I, I had kind of always and this might be erroneous on, on my part, but I always assumed that you joining the band was the kind of um inspiration to go in more of a like for lack of a better term like a legitimate like tech death type of direction thank you you're you're right you're half right um it was also exactly that's more than my wife would give me yeah uh, it's also exactly when donnie joined the band and donnie is technically just about as proficient as alex is so um i think the drums get more credit just because ooh, tech drums you know what i mean but the fact that Alex wasn't holding down the fort doing everything, and now he can hand the duties off to it, and they, they, they can trade guitars and harmonize and do the Iron Maiden stuff and that kind of thing. I think that also that, – that opened up the opportunity for me to play the way I did, which kept them playing the way they wanted to. Yes, it was all right around the same time. But Donnie, Donnie and I joined pretty much not at the same time. Donnie was in before me, but it was – I think Crutch kind of went down because their drummer previous to me, I don't even know his name. I know his nickname was Schmoop. I don't even know the dude's real name. I have no idea. It's legit. Um, Schmoop. Yeah. Schmoop. Yeah. I I mean, they went to college with him. Apparently they all loved him. Said he was a sweetheart. He just left for whatever reason. And um, no one ever saw him again. Okay. (laughs) Go on. Yeah. I killed him. 
Yeah, there Shmoop, it is. When Schmoop left, I guess Crutch went down without a drummer. That's when Donnie joined, and there was a long period of them writing together without a drummer. Then I joined. So, that, so like, me and Donnie were both new at the same time to the person who came to see the show, but he was in the band like six months previous to me or something like that. Okay. And they, they had already gone down the path of like, okay, we're going to roll up our sleeves and write some legit complicated stuff. Now we just got to find a drummer to keep up with it. That's when I came in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that that's cool. I, I was half right. I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I try to be a historian as good as I can, but yeah, I mean obviously, you know, we, we we've talked about this. The record blew me away. I thought it was amazing. Uh, I pirated it originally um from a dude named Matt um who I who I've reunited with. Cool. Uh dude, it's so cool. So like it at Cornerstone one year, this is after you're out of the band. Uh, but they Alathian played like four times and we, we went and saw him every single time. And I met, I had been friends with Matt on, on AOL instant messenger. And, um, we met up at Cornerstone, like in real life for the first time. And, uh, he gave me a Antester t-shirt. Antester. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. But, uh, he, he gave me their shirt and it's so funny because like, I'm so overweight now. Uh, but back then I remember I was actually like really skinny or, or as skinny as I was going to be at that point in my life. And uh, he actually, he's like, okay, so it's an extra large shirt. And I was like, hey, bro, I only do, I only do larges. You know, I'm, I'm a large kind of guy, you know. And uh, he cut or like, I guess he had cut the shirt down a little bit and then had his like his mom or somebody sew the shirt back together after he'd make cuts. So, like I still have that Antester shirt. I can't even fit it on my like forearm, you know, at this point, but like, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. We, we, he cut the shirt down. Yeah. What? So, so he, so, okay. So you know how like you, you've got a shirt, there's two seams going down the side of the shirt, right? Sure. Sure. At least that shirt. And, um, he had cut like two inches off of each side of the shirt and okay. then, and then had like somebody. So, the shirt back together after he'd cut oh, the two inches okay. off. So he like, oh, he like tailored it to be. Yeah. Small. Yeah. So I've got like a, I've got a, I've got a custom Antester t-shirt, uh, that I can't wear anymore. Uh, I think last time I checked, I think my mother-in-law is making all those shirts into like a quilt for me oh, yeah. <laughs> or something. We yeah. did that for my daughter with all of her volleyball shirts to send her to college. It's so cool. Like yeah, it's, it's such so. a cool idea. Yeah. Um, and so I'll have my like super metal shirt. I'll be like 60 years old with my metal, with my metal, uh, quilt, you know, metal quilt. yeah. In the old, in the old folks home. Yep. Well, then I feel then I feel bad. Happen to Mr. Terry's blanket, he gets very upset. He gets very angry. Starts screaming. Don't you know who I am? I was in a podcast that got downloaded four times. You know, like you know, but like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, it was always huge to me. You know what you guys did on the Hope Hope Prevails record. You know, obviously, I've much. talked about it a lot, and you know, I don't know if you get tired of hearing me say it, but like. It, it was a very influential record. I remember oh, being tired to say people who say that they're tired of getting praise are full of shit. Don't ever right. listen. To no, I, I'm flattered by it. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it so much. I remember being uh, well. It's it's so funny. So again, the podcast isn't about me, but I have to just say it. Um, we uh, whenever our band uh, and Destiny went and recorded uh, with you um, mm-hmm. in, in your home, which you were very gracious to open your home up to a bunch of dudes you didn't know, and. Uh, <laughs> And we were kind of well behaved, uh, but uh, you guys, yeah, we were fine. We dude, we were we dude that year. We were as vanilla as it gets, 
you know, as far as that stuff goes. We weren't we weren't drinking, we weren't smoking, we weren't doing any 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 stuff that you know apparently is going to send you straight to hell. Uh, but like, uh, I remember I remember a, a distinct moment sitting there being like, yeah, dude, you know, like because I remember when our label owner had called us. And that dude's like a total crook. Like he never had like a business license or anything. Like it was a, a total sham, the whole thing. But uh, he, was he was a sketchy dude. I've actually been trying to find him, but that's a whole different conversation. He was wearing a shirt where the front said open grave records and the back said, let's go kill something. And I was like, that's actually kind of a cool shirt. I remember like, that. Yeah. I never got one. But. He was, he was a cool guy. Super shady, super shady, but, yeah, but cool exactly. guy. Um, but I know I remember, uh, to get back on track, I remember being, uh, sitting there, uh, in your, in your, in your basement studio and being like, oh man, I really love the, the, I literally love the, the crutch record hope prevails. I loved it so much. My friend, uh, my friend burned it for me. And then you were like, wait a minute, what do you mean burned it for you? And I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, like sent me the MP3s and this was like on AOL and and some messengers. So like that transaction had to have taken like 72 hours. Like that right. that year, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so. But was he, I busting your chops, or was I actually acting like I was upset? You were you were giving me shit, but not, but obviously not serious. You know, okay. like well, it was that, one of those like that bothered me. But okay, I could see me busting chops because yeah. I'm a dick. Okay. But All I, right. but I, yeah. So I love that record, obviously, and um, it's weird too because a few years later we went and saw, and it might have been the same year I was talking to you about when I met. Uh, I bought. Um, we we kept seeing Joel walking around at Cornerstone because they were playing all the time, like anywhere they would let him play. And uh, we saw Joel a few times, and uh, he was like, "Oh, thank you guys. I saw that you guys were at this last show, and you know, or you were at this last time we played, and you guys have been there every time. I think it's awesome." Blah 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 blah. And yeah. uh, I was I was like, "Yeah, cool." And um, he. Uh, I remember buying, I bought legit copies of Hope Prevails and uh, Apple Sauce Atrocious. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, I bought legitimate copies of both of those records. And uh, I remember listening to them on the way home, like when we were leaving Cornerstone, because we had had kind of like a five, six-hour drive ahead of us. And so we, we left the fest, and I put the CDs in, and I was like, wait a minute. This is not the same. And and my buddy Mike was like, "What are you talking?" My keyboard player from End of Destiny. He's like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "It's not the same. It's different. Something sounds different. I can't put my hand. I could put my finger on it." And I didn't find out until much later, like after we did the discography discussion on Alathian and all that. Um, Joel reached out to us and and was like, "Hey, here's everything that that went on, you know." And um, apparently, well, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't yeah. just a remaster. That there were different vocal takes, different guitar yep. takes, everything. I don't think I don't know if the drums were touched or not, but to be honest, I'm not that much of a drummer, so I don't know. Oh, but, the drums weren't touched as far as like edited or moved around. I think he, I think you remixed and did things differently to, for sound, but no, nothing, nothing changed with the drums. Yeah, me being a me being a singer, I only picked up that the vocal line sounded different. You know, like there was something weird about it. Um, and so, you know, to, to bring it back to you, I've been going on about me for like 40 minutes. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, you had been in that band. You weren't in the band the first time I saw Alathian play. And um, you had just recently left the band. But you did you did Hope Prevails, and you were all in. You were the drummer for that band. Uh, yep. And then when the second record came out, you were um, 
did you come in and do just like a session with the band? Because I, I, I want to think that they were like looking for a drummer or something like that at the time. You talking about Polytrosis? Yes. I was, I was, we were, we were winding down and uh, I, I basically, I, I for, if memory serves, what year did Apollotrosis come out? I'm going to pull this right out of my backside. Uh, 2003? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. <laughs> I left in the last show that I had was March of 2003. I quit Cornerstone of 2002. Um, I was, and when I say quit, it wasn't like, goodbye, I'm driving home in a different car. It was just like, guys, I got to tap out. I'm about to have babies, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So Alice kind of gave me the whole like, dude, wait can you please stay in the band until we find a replacement? And I was like, yeah, of course I will. From Cornerstone. I'm not heartless. The, yeah. 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 I mean, and I, I didn't come across like I was walking out either. As a matter of fact, I was sniveling and crying like a, Oh, I was a mess, but, uh, it was all hitting me like, Oh my God, I have to go be an adult. I think this is over. And that was overwhelming me more than I'm leaving the band. I think, but whatever, um, you know, emotionally getting when it comes to kids. But I think, um, when he basically was like, can you please stick around until we get another drummer? Yes. From Cornerstone of 2002 to my last show of March of 2003, we played four shows. So we really ramped down. It was during that time that Alex was kind of like, can you please still record what we've been working on? Yeah, of course. That's when I record. So I was technically out of the band or leaving the band, but was still going to put my stamp on all the work that I did. I wanted, I can't, I want, well, you know, Apollotrosis was supposed to be like a four song EP. Yes. Yeah. Joel told me that. Yeah. Right. And that's when Century Media came knocking and they were like, give us 38 minutes worth of music. We don't care if at the last song you let the guitars feedback for 28 minutes. We need eight tracks and we need 38 minutes. Right. That was their their stencil for what a full length is. Yeah. Precisely. Right. Because we're still playing by 2003 rules. There's no there's no Apple music at this time. Right. Right. So Alex did what he could to spread not enough butter over too much bread, as they said in Lord of the Rings, and started making shit up, you know. And he was like, that's why chapter one and chapter two or movement one and movement two. And there's this huge intro and everything. Alex was just like, well, bought six more minutes there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you listen to dying mind, I won't get too far ahead of you, but if you listen to dying mind, there's three songs on there that I had written, played out and actually played drums for already. I bet that's one of them was as the fall breaks. You are correct. Yes. And, uh, as the fall breaks, you guys ripped off the intro of spirit crusher. On yes, that one. yes. Yep. <laughs> Shut up, Dan. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm the discography guy. I <laughs> no worries. Uh, Call to Arms, uh, as the fall breaks, and do 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 do. Which one's that? Ooh, Benedict. No, Benediction was on Al- uh, Polytrosis. Uh, no, the one with the bass tapping in the beginning. <laughs> wow. I feel like a total fake right now. Um, I can pull it up. I can pull it up and find it. Yeah, Joe's gonna play it. Like as we're being like, I don't remember what was it called. <laughs> yeah, um, those three songs were already kind of quote unquote mine, and I already wrote the drums for them. Right. So I, I think I shot to Alex like, hey, can we just record those? Now imagine Apollotrosis with those three songs on it. Somehow. It would have definitely not felt as much like filler for sure. Yeah. Exactly. But the problem was, is that Alex was writing the entire EP around a concept. And those three songs already had lyrics. One of them is about one of Joel's best friends dying. That did not fit into what Apollotrosis's vision was. So Alex basically made the decision of like, no, sorry, you're just, you quit. You lost those three songs. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That's fair. Well, yeah, I wasn't mad about it. He's right. 
So those drums that you hear Joe play on Dying Vine on those three songs are 90% of what I was doing with some Joe Walmerisms in there, which, by the way, all, everything he did different with me is, is better. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I have to say that. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I have no reason to kiss the guy's ass. I mean, as a drummer, I heard the technical things that he changed and all of them, I was like, whoa, that's really clever. I never thought of that, you know? Yeah, he was so, a great drummer for sure. Yeah, he is very good. Probably so, still is. I keep saying was like he's not with us anymore, yeah, but yeah. I think he's still around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he's, um, he's, um, that was that. Apollotrosis was, before, before Apollotrosis was released, Joe had officially become the new drummer, I think. Or I wasn't available anymore, and Alex wanted something in addition to it. So he does he does that one. I think it's called Benediction. It's a really simple double kick in the background. Yeah, Cut. yeah. That's Joe. That is not me. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, dude, same Joe. They can play the drums. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that record was was funny. Um, I remember after we did the discography discussion on Alathian, Joel had reached out to us and uh said like yeah that record was like totally a concept it was supposed to be like an art piece he's like and and part of the problem that we ran into is you know we had people come up to us at shows and they would buy the new record and not the old one and so they would get this weird like uh this weird view of like what the band was because like you have hope prevails which is um in 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 my eyes you know like a classic full of great songs you know like awesome fun to listen to um, all of that, and then you have this concept record, which don't get me wrong, had great stuff on it. But like you said, it sounds like four songs spread across thirty-eight minutes. <laughs> you know, um, it's not that the songs weren't good; they just were. They just were what they were. Um, Century, Century Media wouldn't even let Alex release the four songs and make the songs thirty-eight minutes long. Like in other words, if you would have just ended each song with some baloney guitar thing for 10 minutes each time or whatever that doesn't qualify as an LP. It has to be 10 tracks in 38 minutes. Eight. I think eight tracks. Eight tracks. Okay. Cause if you remember jar of flies had seven songs on it, it was considered an EP. That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah they right. pushed out from chains for one more song and they were like, no, <laughs> we don't want to do it for it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I think I don't. I'm trying to remember now because we we talked to Toby Wright, the guy that produced that record. Or I don't know if it was that record or not. Um, can't remember which one Toby Wright did now. But he was telling me that they pretty much just showed up with no songs and improvised like that whole record, <laughs> which was like insane. Um, but I mean that's Allison James. So there, there you go. But like, um, you know, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the next record uh, too much because I mean you weren't there, so you know, and and I've got you, um, and so let's let's fast forward a little bit because um, again this is archival. The next project I remember you being in was the Solomers record, mm-hmm. and if I'm wrong, was there anything that went on after uh, after Alathian? Did you do anything uh, in between besides gonna... besides record like some shitty band from St. Louis's record? Like you can, <laughs> you, you can skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> I joined. I joined a band called the House Lights. Okay, uh, like a kind of like a Hey Mercedes Braid meets Weezer, Jimmy Eat World ripoff. Um, I always liked that stuff. I, I, I they used to make fun of me, crutch, because I never listened to enough metal, you know. But um, I, uh, I know whatever. And um, Tom, back to that, my brother, the woodmaker guy. I actually met. I knew the bass player from uh, the House Lights, and he got married in 2000 and new year's eve of two into 2003 okay so i actually joined 
the house light. Remember I was leaving bands because I was having twins. Well, I had the twins. I do. Six months later, I joined another stupid band because I'm an idiot. Um, I actually joined the house lights two weeks before I went and played that last show with crutch slash Alathian in March of 2003. So I was technically in the house lights and crutch at the same time for half a month. Okay. Um, and 15 then we'll, days. There it is. <laughs> sure. Right. Write it down. Mark it. And then, um, that went on for, I don't know, two years, maybe. Um, that started to gain some momentum. That band went to Japan and I couldn't go cause I couldn't get off of work. <sighs> and, um, still friends with all those guys. And we kind of teetered back and forth. I got out of that band. The band started back up again. We started to play a couple shows and then my dad got sick and I had to back out of that. And we haven't really done anything since we're all still friends, but we're all old and we're not going to do anything seriously. Maybe, maybe one day Kyle will write an EP and we'll play for it or something like that. But so it's one of those situations where you're still technically a band, but not really, I guess. Sure. Like, yeah, we all got together a couple of years ago, got together for three or four practices, started writing some new stuff. And then Kyle was like, I'm getting busy. Got to go. Uh, we'll reschedule practice, reschedule practice. Like eight months went by and I was like, dude, are we seriously ever going to do this again? He was like, probably not. <laughs> And that was that. I don't care. No hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was the same with End of Destiny. We got together like five years after we recorded that CD and we wrote like a whole nother album. And like it was like supposed to happen or whatever. Right. And it was like way better than the first one. Um, I still have the demos. It's depressing to even listen to it now. But like it was like it was so much more in line with like what we were trying to do, which was like this weird like hopes fall like strong arm type of thing but like we just and like the new material was like so much more that you know um than the old stuff where we were just trying to do whatever was popular at the time but uh but yeah we we wrote all those songs and then our guitar player patrick was like he went off and became a youth pastor and like that was the end of it you know but uh so after that you know uh you're in the band the house lights you produced our record you um and then you know a lot of time went by and I remember, uh, this is a really, this is something I remember specifically, not, not just because of the podcast, but because, um, I had, so my second daughter who is four now, uh, right. she was still a baby and she was real sick and, uh, not like hospital sick, but just like not, not feeling good. And I remember, um, I was holding her a lot and she was sleeping on me or whatever. And I had I was like trapped like in my basement and I was, uh, I had my phone and a pair of earbuds and she's sleeping and sick or whatever. And I remember tuning into a podcast, uh, called as the story grows and you were interviewing Mark Garza of embodiment. Nice. And, uh, I remember cause the, the, the oh. headline, the headline of the episode, the title of the episode, and it said like our shit really did stink. Um, and I remember like, that sounds like something I will listen to. So, I, uh, <laughs> so I, I popped it on and then, um, a lot of hours went by and again, so I finished that episode and, uh, I started checking out the other ones and stuff like that. And it's weird too, because the, like when I listened to the Mark Garza one, I was like, oh, it's a podcast, like whatever, you know, like I'm not really listening to the host. I'm not listening to, you know, a whole lot. I'm just there for Mark Garza embodiment. I like that band, you know, and the famine and all that. And, uh, and then you did another, there was another episode with Jimmy Brown of deliverance. So I listened to that one. And then there was the, um, 
Eric Mendez of Tourniquet. I listened to that one. Uh, Jason Sherlock. This is like a long Saturday for me. I listened to all of those episodes just oh, wow. like in a row. Like, cause I, I had nothing to do. I had a sleeping baby that was sick, you know, like yeah. she needed her rest, you know? So like, I didn't want to like get up and walk around and do a whole lot. And so I listened to all that stuff. And then I was like, why is it that when I'm listening to the host, like I, I know this dude's voice. Like I know this dude. Like, I just don't know. Like, like not know, like we don't hang out, but like, I know who this guy is. And, um, it wasn't until like two or three days later that I was like, yeah, and you were like, my name's Trav, my name's Trav. And I was like, how many people named Travis do I know? You know? And, and, and I'm going through this list or whatever. And, and, and it was like Travis Turner. I was like, I was like, well, that guy's the drummer for Lathian. Like he's not, he doesn't do podcasts or whatever. And then I started looking into it or whatever. And I remember I sent you an email after that, and I was and, and I titled the email Travis Turner, like dot 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 or something like that, and because it was at the as the story grows email, and I was like, "Hey man, um, I've been listening to your podcast, and uh, I don't know if you remember who I am. Uh, you know, I was in a band that we recorded, and because um, I didn't know at the time that like we were basically like the only band you guys ever like recorded. We only record ever ever recorded two things there. You'll never guess what the other thing was. Uh, become the archetype. Oh, okay. You did guess. Yeah, yeah I guess. It was the demos for uh, uh, what's the one Alex was on? Uh, Physics of Fire. Yeah, it was the demos for that. The yeah. one, the one that we trashed on the discography discussion episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, very clearly. But uh, what was funny is, uh, so I sent you that email, and you're like, "Oh yeah, cool, cool." And then it was probably like three or four months later, and I might be remembering it wrong because I think this was like roughly like somewhere like mid 2017. And, um, Joe had been, uh, had been kind of, kind of pushing me towards like, you should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. We should do whatever. And we were going to do a podcast that was going to be like a fake news podcast, like a, like a satire of, of, of current events or whatever. And I was like, ah, I was like, I don't really want to do that because I feel like I don't want to like lead people like to wrong information. Like what if somebody takes something we said seriously or, or something like that. And, uh, and so I was like, ah, oh, whatever. So we did, um, he eventually was like, let's just talk about bands, you know, let's do that. And I was like, okay. So we did like two episodes. We did one on like Metallica and then, cause it was all supposed to be a hundred percent secular. Like we weren't going to do like, you know, any, any of that stuff like with Christian music, but through whatever series of events, we ended up doing the second episode on mortification and talking about all their records and we were like super brutally honest about it and it upset some people and I still get angry emails about it to this day but like it's um it it's funny so we we did that and all that and I remember reaching out to you and being like hey uh this is going to sound super copycat or whatever but like I'm doing a podcast now too <laughs> and uh but I mean there there was an element of that where it was like well you know uh this dude Travis that I know does a podcast and you know, he talks to cool people and do, does this thing. So, like, maybe we could do it. But then I was like, well, I don't want to do interviews and stuff with people because that's what he does. And I don't want to, like, encroach on that because I'd want to talk to the same people and have the same and have the same type of conversations. Um, so all that aside, I, you know, I'm going to put it put it back in, in, in your court. Um, you know, so when, when, as the story grows started, it was called a, it was called, it was a different podcast run by a different guy. And it was called Black Vinyl Collective. I believe. And, um, so I guess what, how, how did you end up, you know, meeting up with that dude and, and getting kind of on the mic and starting to do like this sort of stuff? 
2009 is when my cousin asked me to play in Unteachers, and Unteachers was uh, tooling around with Veritas Vinyl. And Jesse, the guy who owned Veritas Vinyl, is the guy who had Black Vinyl Collective. He was supposed to, his co-host was supposed to be one of the dudes from remember that band Crux? Yeah, I remember Crux. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a dude from Crux, and I guess that guy's never available. I think his name's Greg or Glenn or something. I don't know them very well. And and um <clears throat> Jesse just asked me, Hey, will you be a co-host one day? <clears throat> and I was like, Never did one before, sure. And um at the end of that show, he asked me, I don't think the guy can really he's really never got time. Do you want to co-host the show? Like permanently. And I was like, yeah, it was kind of fun. And then I stole the show. You stole the show. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Cause it was black final collector for a while. Cause I remember early, early, early episodes. You'd be like, welcome to another episode of the black vinyl collective or whatever. And then, right. and then it became as the story grows. And then it was you and Steven right. uh, for a while. And, um, so I guess, uh, what, what made like, I, I know like, cause I'm very much the same thing. Somebody else was like, you should do this. It would be fun. <laughs> let's, let's try it out. And yep. then, and then, and then before you know, you're running all of it, you know, <laughs> like, yep. um, yep. you know, and so you did, you, you did the podcast for, what was it? Two years, three years. Oh, if you do, black, it was a long time. You do black vinyl collective t- together all the way up to when I left, it was, it was pushing four. Like a hundred and uh, it's like hundred and seventy six episodes or something like that. Okay, because you weren't releasing weekly; they were kind yeah. of just whenever they were done. Well, and, and to be fair, Brian, who now has as the story grows under his, under his under his regime, he stood in for me as a guest host a couple times when I was just too tuned up with work or just too burned out or whatever. So I say one hundred and seventy five, hundred and seventy six. But to be fair. He did a he, few, yeah, a handful of them. Out of those, he probably he probably comp- I mean, he had his hands in many of them, especially with editing and helping and scheduling. He probably did about ten of them completely by himself. Where he was like, I can get so and so from so and so. Do you mind if I talk to him? And I was like, I, I never even heard that band before. Go ahead, I don't care. Yeah, I knew what they were going to talk about. Nor did I care. I was like, it's all yours. You can have it for the week. Here's the keys. I'm going to the beach house. <laughs> you know. Sure. Well, and what was your uh, what was your I guess. Um, you know, because I mean, there comes a certain point where it's like, okay, I'm I'm doing this now, yeah. I'm doing it all the time, and you know, I I can speak to how life consuming, uh, it can become, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, like my my wife sitting upstairs right now reading a book. I'm sure she would rather like be watching like Parks and Recreation or something with me, you know, like something like that. Yep. Um, and you know, but like you you had kind of a, I mean, at least in the beginning, kind of a passion for doing doing this type of content um what what led you to want to reach out to the people you reached out to and to try to get um because one thing that i think was was really interesting about as the story grows and why i liked it more than i liked some of the other podcasts out there is you always wanted to go a little bit deeper like go in i don't want to say autobiographical but like in in a way where you wanted to find out why people made the decisions that they made or or why they you know um ended up in the band that they were in or or that sort of thing What, what gave you the inspiration for doing that and and especially like having the balls to ask people questions that you had asked them over time um, what was your inspiration for that? Or was it just something that you just were like, well, I'm here, I'm going to do it. I, I feel like, um, I've said this before on, sh- on, on shows too. So I don't mean to repeat myself, but it's, like I said, I haven't, I haven't done a show in forever. So it's fine. This one's, this one's new. So they can listen to this one and get it here. 
Um, Mark Marin was a huge influence. I hate to pick such a huge, such a huge name, but I Mark, love Mark Marin. I think he's fantastic. And Mark Marin at the end of an interview, I feel like, like, whew, like I have to go stretch. I have to go, I have to go outside and do that neck head stretch thing. Cause I'm like, man, he, he like, he went pretty deep with that guy. Uh, or or that lady, and I mean, he spoke to the president for crying out loud. It was it was amazing. It was it was. He has such a way of just being like so. Uh, I think he's honest. Other people, you know, of course, they'll shit on him and say oh, it's, it's all an act or whatever. Okay, fine, whatever. I I I bought it as honest. I, it came across as honest, er, an earnest conversation with me. So I I just thought, well, the problem is Mark Maron's never going to talk to Ben Kohler from Converge. No. Uh, he's never going to talk to Jason Sherlock for mortification. I think that dude's rad on the drums. I, I will. I'll do it. He's never going to talk to Cancer Conspiracy, one of my favorite bands. You know, so he's too busy talking to like um, Mick Jagger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so he can have hundreds and thousands of downloads the first day. I'd rather talk to this ding dong on an EP that I liked ten years ago, and maybe I'll get thirty people to listen. That would be cool. So I, I, I guess Mark Marin was one of my. I would say the one. I would, I would, I would get to the end of one of his episodes and be like, I want to do that. That's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. But I wanted to do it with our little smaller niche of music, you know. Our scene, um, like stuff that guys like me would be like, oh man, I yeah. always wanted to hear from that dude. Or, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I, I really, I also, I don't think I ever told anybody this before. I, I always, I always tried. I kept asking myself, do I want to be friends with this person? <laughs> like the whole time I'm talking to him. I could tell, but sometimes, sometimes, Dan, I would get these kinds of answers, Dan, where they would, uh, I could almost tell they were like looking at their lap and reading their responses and everything because some, some band got handed to me from some label and it was the most plastic conversation I had. And I was kind of like, all right, whatever. And, and that's what it is. And that's what it is. And also at the end of four years worth of podcasting, I also have people in my phone that like, I still they are they are legitimately my friends and I talk to them. I'm talking to one right now. And I don't I don't I just I think I put so much of myself out there that I kind of ate up all my bandwidth and was like, okay, that's enough. Like I can't I this this scene has become all encompassing and I'm like I have fifty-eight threads going on my phone from different conversations with people. People want to email yeah. me about the show and everything. And it just became like a the only way for me to get out of this is to scale it back, shrink it down and keep it small or let it take over. And I need to like get somebody else involved. And then he, they're doing all the editing. They're doing all the scheduling. And then I'm the talent that just plops down and goes, hi, I'm in there. My chapter is going on. Okay. Bye, bye. And let somebody else handle it. And that sounded a little cookie cutter and fake to me. Not fake. I get it. Big business has to, have machinery rather than hands. I get that, but totally. It just turned into a thing where I just felt like this is too big for me to handle. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I totally, yeah. I totally, one hundred percent prime candidate for burnout. <laughs> so you know? answered you answered my next question, which was like, so what happened? Because you were, because I mean, you were talking to people that you had grew, grown up listening to, and like I could relate. Like all these years later, where it's like, I've dude, I've got people on my phone that I just never imagined that I would have in my phone. And we right. just share like memes with each other, like you know, like just stupid crap, like stuff that doesn't really even doesn't even like translate back to you know 
the the one hour that we did an episode together or 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 whatever it is like it it goes beyond that and it's it's been hard you know even for me to deal with that a little bit and um so i was always curious cuz dude i i was seriously bummed out when i you know i remember like my itunes refreshed one day and there was an episode of as the story grows and i was like oh sweet and then it was all like you know hand it down and walk away and i was like wait, what, you know, like, what is that? You know, like, I, I appreciate the sale reference, but like, it's one of those, like, you know, um, you like, what, like what, you know? Cause I remember like, it's, there was, there was a time where you were doing, like you did, you did an, uh, an extended interview with, uh, Kurt Bachman of, of believer. And like, I remember, I remember sitting there cause like, I mean, we were doing our, epi- we were doing our podcast at the time and, um, you know, we were doing our own thing, you know, over in our own corner or whatever. And I remember like, oh my God, like Travis is over there talking to Kurt Bachman and that Chris Poland interview that you did just, I mean, I've, a, I've, I've gone back and listened to that. It's a years off my life. That interview screwed up a vacation for me that, that you, you hit, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's the interview that took me down. That's the interview that took me down. I'm going to talk to Chris Poland from Megadeth. This is amazing. I can't believe it. He's one of my guitar heroes, blah, 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 blah. That thing was so hard to push out. And by the time I did it, there was one thing in there that his management missed and didn't want out there. And Chris Poland himself called me on my cell phone and asked me to pull the interview down because he's going to get sued by Megadeth. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in over my head. Um. Yeah. Long story short, um, Josh Toomey, God bless him. You're never going to meet a nicer dude than Josh Toomey. Toomey tried helping me by pushing out the Chris Poland thing and he got it. He got it to Lamgoat or something. And when you click on the link for Lamgoat, you're listening to the episode that they uploaded. You're not streaming it from my site. Right. Got it. Oh, trust me. I know how all that shit works. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm explaining it to the people that don't know. So Chris, so Chris, uh, so, so Toomey pushed out, you know, OMG, my buddy Trav talked to Megat, talked to Chris Poland from Megadeth. The episode version that got pushed out on Lamb Goat was the one that Chris Poland called me for and said, you need to pull that or I'm going to do it. I'm going to lose my house. Those were his words. Now it's on Lamb Goat. I had to contact Lambgoat and ask him to pull down my episode. So Lambgoat basically shot back a little bit of like, you know, you cocky mother kind of kind of an attitude. And I was I like couldn't confess as to why I was doing it. But I basically just told him, like, can you please can you please pull down my podcast? I didn't I didn't pull down the article. Yeah, I want that to be put out there. Um, I was afraid to say I can't have it out there because there's something controversial in it. Twenty thousand more people would listen then. So, yeah, they would print another article right. saying that, you know, um cuz I had a I had a very similar situation where I had uh Scott from Zayo on and right. we were talking about um Tim Lambesis of Vasily dying. <laughs> and um and Scott Scott ha- yeah, Scott <laughs> Scott happened to say um you know, he goes, "Does Tim Lambesis deserve to be in a band?" And he goes, "No, he doesn't deserve to be in a band." I remember that. And I put that episode out and and that was on my other podcast, brutally speaking. But like, um, it got picked up by everybody. Sure, <laughs> like like it was one of those like, dude, I I've been over here in my corner doing my thing. <laughs> like yeah. it has, you know, like I I had 
so much not to do with that. And I remember sending Scott a text after that being like, dude, I'm so sorry. This is blowing up the way that it was blowing up. Like I, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, like it, it just, I, I did the interview and we had a nice conversation about like collecting. Did he care? He didn't care at all, dude. He, dude, 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 his response was, dude, this is the most press the band's gotten in 10 years, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, well, cool. I'm glad I did something good for Zayo, you know, but like it was, it was definitely one of those like, but yeah, like I feel you. And, and like for you, it was 10 times that, you know, dude, because was, okay, so I was dealing with management, which I don't like doing. I don't like talking to somebody to talk to somebody. It just feels weird and plastic to me, but I get it. So I'm going through management. I'm going through management. I rent a house with my friends, Tom, the woodmaker guy. I rent a house with my friends once a year. We haven't done it for a year because whatever. But we rent a house in the middle of the state because one of our buddies lives in Pittsburgh. But we all get right. together. We rent a house. We bring recording equipment and we just record a song just for fun. It's just for us. We never put it out there. Um, I was completely ruined for that weekend because I was checking my phone every 10 minutes because I'm waiting to get the final cut. Brian, um, is editing it for me and he's hitting me with like, Trav, where's the list? So like, I'm now I'm like waiting for management to get back in touch with me. West coast, three hours difference. And I said to him a hundred times, like, yo, I'm, I'm EST. Can you help me out? And they were like, they finally hit me back at like nine 40 at night with like this, this laundry list of 13 things that had to get cut. I'm, I'm supposed to put it out Sunday morning here on Saturday night. I'm like, Brian, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's cool. I'll just stay up and do it. He stayed up to like something stupid in the morning, pushed it out there and everything. And then the next day was the super bowl during the super bowl. Chris Poland called me, told me I had to pull down. Like now the super bowl got ruined. I, I was just like, fuck this podcast. This is stupid. I just wanted to mega death, you know? And it just turned into that that took the wind out of me. It really I, I just felt like, is this what it takes to get to talk to bigger guests? I don't want to do this anymore. And that coupled with another thing that pissed me off, I'm really just I'm just being honest with you now. Dude, it's gut. fine. That's what we're here for. Like I, honestly. I'm, bud I'm buddies with Jason Wisdom. I love the man. I've recorded an album with him. I've been involved with becoming the archetype since blah 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 blah. I got nothing against the guy. I love Jason Wisdom. Yeah. Who doesn't? Sweetest dude ever. Um I did a braid anniversary episode. Where I got all four members of Braid, Jay Robbins from Jawbox. That was not an easy get, by the way. I got the president of Polygram, uh, what do they call it? Polygram Records? Polygram, Polygram Records? I believe, yeah. Whatever. And um, and their roadie, who works at a record uh, store near my house. I got all seven of those people under one roof, edited the shit out of that thing, pushed it out there, and the first week I had like 800 listens. Yeah, and I was, dude, that's awesome. 800 listens. Well, then Jason Wisdom came on for the third time to talk about death therapy, and I got 1,400 listens the first week. And I was just like, I was like, I, I don't, how much harder am I supposed to work, you know? Yeah. That, no. braid, that braid episode took me like two months <laughs> to put together. Jason, him and I just shit one out one day where it was like, oh, a new death therapy album. Let's go through track by track and do it. Almost twice as many listens, and I Dude, was like, yeah. "I don't want to do this anymore." We did a living sacrifice discography discussion with Jason Wisdom, and there's only like 45 minutes of audio of Jason and us talking, and that episode just like yeah. you know, like out of nowhere. And I was yeah, like, "Dude, like, 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 because the first hour and a half of that episode is just me and Joe and Jeff doing what we do." Right. You know, and then and then all of a sudden, like, you know, we have Jason Wisdom on for the last 40 minutes of the podcast and it just goes through the roof. Right. You know, 
And yeah, so like I, I just, I, just I'm only started, saying that so that I, I understand where you're coming right. from on that. Started feeling lopsided, and it started feeling like if I have to put if I have to put two months into something that I'm super proud of, and it only gets half the results of something that I don't even try to do, then maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, I'm tired. I'm burned out. And like you, you just alluded to something too. You're downstairs doing a podcast while your wife is upstairs reading the book. Agreed. I was downstairs. I couldn't get a podcast done in under, let's say average seven, seven to nine hours a week. There's another working day. I'm already working. I was a pest control guy at the time. I'm already working in the service industry, stupid amounts of hours. And then I'm coming home and putting an additional day worth of labor, not into my family. Quite frankly, my marriage started to suffer. It really did. Daddy has to go downstairs and do his thing. And I could just tell there was like disdain in her voice. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay. All right. Right. And it was on the wall, dude. I'm not dumb. I mean, I might have to, I might have to walk past the wall a couple of times before I catch it, but it just, it just felt like I, I better do this before I pick up something I can't put down. You know what I mean? So sure. time to go. And I, and I, dude, I don't miss it at all. You and I just fumbled around with Skype for 15 minutes trying to get on. I mean, I did that 150 times. I want to throw my laptop in the goddamn wall. I was just <laughs> of doing this. Uh, You're like, oh man, that old feeling in my heart starting to, starting to, starting to flare up again. Yeah. And then I would get the guest on and they're, and they're like eating and I'm like, I know I'm not a big podcast. I know I'm not Mark Maron, but could you could you finish your granola bar before you called dude, it? Dude, <laughs> that that episode you did with Eric Mendez of Tourniquet, where he was like doodle, he was sitting there with his with his guitar in his lap, and he's like he's like just you know, and, and you even said like, and it was the most tactful thing I'd ever heard in my life. Where you're like, hey man, are you going to do that through the whole interview? I mean, it's fine, but if you're doing it, I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> And then refresh my memory. Did he stop or did he just keep doing it? He kept doing it, dude. Because that that was you said that in part one, like fifteen minutes in, right. and then uh, that that was the whole two part episode. Because I think it was like a four hour podcast at the end of it. See what I edited out of that one. He was like, he would he would start running something. He would go, um, yeah, yeah, that song, uh, blah 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 blah. He'd see a song title and then he'd start playing another guitar and he go. Wait, wait, how'd that go? Yeah, um, yep. And there I sit, hand in uh, head in hand, just like. I guess I'll just wait for you to. Well, he was like clearly high as a kite through that oh, whole thing. Dude, yeah, like, was, like I, I love the dude. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Like I love the dude 100. percent oh, I hope like, I get him one day. I owe him a big hug. But yeah, he he admitted to me he was up there that uh, for the interview, and I I kind of was like, well, okay, let's see where this goes. <laughs> this will be fun, <laughs> but. I, I wanted to rub him a little bit. I just kind of wanted to nudge him towards the Ted Kirkpatrick conversation. And dude, I couldn't stop him after that. He was just like, rah, 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 rah. he was went off on it. Well, yeah, but, I had, I had Luke Easter a couple of weeks ago and you know, I, um, he was not high as a kite. He was sober as a priest on Sunday, you know, but like it sure, was, huh? um, but yeah, like I, I, and it's funny too, because after we got off the phone, I, I was, I was messaging him afterwards and I was like, you need to listen to this Eric Mendez interview, interview, <laughs> you know, from, and so I linked him to it or whatever. And that actually, that actually inspired him to, uh, he reached out to Brian and did an episode of as the story grows as well. Awesome. Um, which I won't get into that. Whereas like me and Brian had the same guest, like a week apart of each other, but like, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things. Uh, it, it was cool. It was cool getting to hear Luke's side of the story on all life, that stuff. Life, man, uh, if you go line up me and Toomey at the time, I bet I talked to Gene Hoagland within two Hoagland within two weeks of when he did. So 
I, he, he forked me, a, he handed me a guest, a guest that I, I was a little, I was a little verklempt to talk to him. He's a drumming hero. So yeah, that's, that's how this works. We're all supposed to help each other. It's fine. Whatever. I can't, I can't count on enough fingers. How many times to me has come through, you know, for us on stuff like that. Like just, he's just randomly like, he'll just sit, dude, the dude is so savant. Like he'll just send you a message like, Hey, so-and-so from so-and-so is looking to do interviews. You guys want in, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, dude. You yeah. know, like, like, why do you even have to ask me that question? Like, absolutely. Like, we'll do it, you know? And, uh, you know, it, and he still does that. He still does that. All related. Yeah. He's a Titans fan and I'm a Niners fan. And, uh, when the Titans got into the playoffs this year, I think we started like, Hey, congratulations. Good to hear from you. Uh, when the Niners lost the Super Bowl, that's when I heard from a bunch of friends. Cause that night I was like, I was getting a bunch of like, ha ha, eat shit. And I'm like, I deserve that. I've been, right. <laughs> I've been talking a lot of trash this year. Now I got to eat my sandwich, you know? What right. I mean? <laughs> but yeah, Toomey's a Titans fan. Him and I, him and I, we talk ball once in a while. He's, he's a good dude. I like that guy. Yeah, no, we love him. He's, he's a huge friend of the show for sure. Like he, I remember too, cause the first time we had him on the show, I think I went through you to like get a hold of him or something like that. Like I can't oh. remember. It was a, such a long time ago, but like, I remember like sending him a message and being like, Hey, um, our podcast gets like 10 listens a week. Uh, do, you know, you want to check us out? You know, like, and, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'll come on and do an episode or whatever. And like, it was cool. We talked about all kinds of nineties stuff, you know, it was great. Uh, and we actually just recently had him on, uh, we did, Okay, so we you may you you may remember this. I remember contacting you about. I was like, we're going to do this Pantera episode, and I don't like Pantera, and Pantera is Toomey's favorite band, um, and we're going to trash Pantera on the episode, like all this stuff or whatever, and like it was a huge mistake. But with like within three years, um, I remember like looking at where the podcast was then, and looking at where it's at now, um, and I remember being like, we need to like give Pantera like a real episode like you know something that really and so we had him back on for that and it was it was cool because things things were a little weird for us after we brought him on the podcast and told him that his favorite band sucks and you know all that stuff and yeah um, to fail yeah great yeah great dude but uh yeah so you you got burned out you left you know you you, you handed it down and walked away you gave it to brian and um and brian's been running it ever since and uh and at the time, all the only information we had is that you were playing in a cover band, uh, and that was all you kind of had divulged. Because, dude, you could tell, like, listening to that episode, you were like, I am done with this. I can't wait to sign off for the last time. And it 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 just be like a, oh, I'm going to go out and live my life now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's pretty much still how I feel about it. The thought of doing a pot, the thought of hosting a podcast. I don't mind being on your show. This is sure. an honor. She asked me the, 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 the thought of running one. Ugh, God makes me, makes me itchy. I, I I'm done. I just, I burn, burn out, burn out's a legitimate thing, man. It's a real thing. I hear you. I mean, you're talking about being itchy. I'm like, 24 seven covered in fire ants. Like I get it. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rough. And, 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 but it, you know, I, I want to say this on the podcast as cheesy as it is and, and as dumb as it is, but like what you did was very inspirational, especially for guys like me, uh, guys, guys on other podcasts that maybe don't have a 
chance to speak on this episode, but like, you know, you, you did a lot as far as, um, one of the things that I latched onto a lot was the interview style and the, the conversational aspect of an interview instead of it being like, I'm going to show up here with, um, with my, with my mead composition book. And I've got 12 questions written down that I'm going to ask you, dude, do you think I prepared for this interview tonight? I did. I did not. It's so dumb at all. Every time you go online and look at like, if you look at like Loudwire's top 10 um, times that uh, a musician absolutely uh, embarrassed the interviewer or something dumb or whatever, I'm not doing a good job. I love watching that stuff though. It's always a shitty interview. They never do it to a person that's legitimate. They're always like overseas and the person was like, so what was it like to be on tour with Ozzy? And they're like, great. Like, Ozzy, we went on and played some songs, and then Ozzy went on after us and played some songs. What's it like to walk out on stage in front of fifty thousand people? Uh, nice. What, what was it like to record at God City? Great. They know what they're doing. Like, what the hell? We we know you enjoyed recording there. You know, if you had a bad experience, I'm sure you'd want to talk about it. But I'd rather know what was it like growing up with uh, your sister with special needs or something like that. I think it's a more interesting story. And don't you connect with the person a little bit more when you know? something personal about them rather than the same superficial bullshit that the past eight podcasts have asked them. That's, that was my goal just to get around that. Yeah. And that's the rough part because a lot of the times, some of the people that you're talking to are on a album cycle. And so they're not yeah. necessarily ready for the types of questions that you're going to throw at them, right. you know, because they're expecting like, so the record came out and uh, it came out and people listened to it. And were you surprised by how many people listened to yeah. it or, or whatever? Yeah. And so it, it it, work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it, it it was inspirational. It was cool, and you know, yeah. it's it's the reason it's the reason I podcast. You know, just hearing that 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 Mark Garza interview, and I was like, there there was a certain spark of like I could do that. You know, like you know yeah. that sort of thing. And, uh, and I inspired because what what have I been saying? I was a dude who went on eBay and bought a microphone and just started doing it. Total dude. I mean, look at this thing. It's it's yeah, gross. Exactly. It's great. It's got like dust on the yeah. But anyway. Um, but yeah, and so at, you know, so you you left the podcast, and um, I, I can only imagine. I know you sounded like because, like, if I were to leave the podcast tomorrow, like I would have nothing but regrets. But I think in in your case, with the amount of burnout that you were experiencing, um, you know, you you leave the podcast, you're playing in a cover band. You know what? Uh, was there anything other than the satire stuff, which we covered in the first part of the podcast? Um, what else were you doing or was it just, was it just, uh, enjoying life? Like being a dude, being Travis, the dude, instead of Travis, the podcast host, being Travis, the dude, I was, uh, I didn't, I didn't winterize my hose and flooded my basement. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. My recording studio, because I'm a dipshit. So I couldn't have recorded for someone if I wanted to for about eight or nine months because I was too busy rebuilding my basement, which I'm sitting in now, which is totally different. The studio is gone. Um, I'm jealous. Your basement's way bigger than mine is. My basement is dope. I love it down here. But um, I had this entire section walled off to be like a to be like an actual recording studio with a ceiling inside of a ceiling. Uh, the whole room that doesn't touch the room kind. Of, Lost it all, lost the whole thing and, um, really got like butthurt about it and was kind of like, you know what? Screw this. I want a normal basement for my kids. Cause my kids always had like what was left of the basement when I wasn't occupying it as a studio area. So I 
I redid the whole thing with the whole sectional couch and the TV on the wall and the video game setup and everything. And we turned this into like a secondary family room. My record collection is down here and everything. And then it also kind of morphs over into this weird drum area that I can partition off and record. And I'm finally back up and running. So I went, I went through a phase of like, well, can't record anyway. So, so the only thing I could do is play live. I had to, I had to cart my drums out of the house and go earn gas money because I ain't recording nothing. Um, I got lucky. I didn't lose any equipment. I just lost house. Uh, nothing got, nothing got wet. I didn't like lose electrical equipment or drums or anything. But Were you able to pull any homeowners insurance stuff on that or? Oh yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was asking I, for a friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't, I don't advise flooding your basement, but, uh, yeah, I learned all about, I learned all about deductibles and all that. And it wound up costing about six grand. My deductible was a grand. So it, it was going to be a thousand out of my pocket and the other five grand was covered. And that's when I came up with the idea of like, well, how much more would it be if we changed this and changed this? I don't want you to restore it. I want you to rip this out. And it basically costs like an additional 1500. So I flooded my basement and then paid $2,500 to get it to where I wanted it. And, uh, I'm finally back up and running now. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So if I if I if I have another album in the tank, then I can uh, you know call you up and be like, hey, can we? I think Joe would be super offended by that. He's like, dude, we have a studio. What are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's gonna be old school. We're gonna drive out to Pennsylvania. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. We're gonna drive 18 hours overnight. It's gonna be incredible. Yeah. You have a better place to sleep than that weirdo's apartment. You can sleep in my basement. That was creepy. Uh, I will not. Um, so I'm just going to say this because, you know, I want to pull this dude out of hiding. Dude, so do you remember the first day we recorded? And yeah. uh, you probably don't. You, I think you were at work. Um, the I other guy. Sean, you, you Sean, Sean was there. You guys used my studio. You made, you made token appearances. I mean, you were there. Um, but, like, yeah, you usually in the evenings. Like, why are these guys still here? It's 5 o'clock. <laughs> you know, like, what are they doing? Um, and it, the, the the reality is, is we just weren't ready to record a record. But, right. uh, you know, the. Uh, Nobody is at that age, man. Don't bust, don't bust your own chops. Nobody's, nobody's on point when they're. I remember. Oh, I'm 34. How old were you? Oh Jesus! You make make me do math. Okay. Um, 13 years ago, you were you 13 were years ago. So it's like 20. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when we drove out there, it was 18 and a half hours, and I drove the entire time because uh, it was my brother's car. I borrowed my brother's car, and um, he was like, "Yeah, you can drive my car, but if." literally anything's wrong with it when you get back i'm gonna murder you you know like so there's that and uh so i drove the entire time i don't let any of the other guys drive the car and so like whenever i got there the first day because i remember you and sean came over to that dude's house um and everybody was like laughing and joking and you guys were all talking and and whatever and i remember like i looked like death like incarnate like i had giant bags under my eyes and like I was like, yeah, it's cool. Does this dude have a working shower? Like, I, it, like it was rough. And uh, can we sleep now? <laughs> yeah, can we sleep now? And then we like tried to get you guys to accept the flying car and all that. And um, that was all. I'll, I'll tell you about that later. But like, I don't remember that. But Travis, thank you so much, man, for for taking the time out to to have a conversation. And uh, I think your cousin Stephen beat you by about thirty minutes. I know the interview I did with him lasted forever. Oh, uh, okay. that's fine. But he's uh, there's no one to shut up anyway. So. Yeah, well, he's he's a man, dude. Him and I have become like best friends, like over over the past year and your two years, really. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, he's a good dude. He absolutely is. But I appreciate it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to the satire record for sure. Um, I never get tired of hearing you play the drums, and uh, I think that's going to be a really good application for it, me being so into like techie techie metal stuff, mathy stuff, or whatever. I think. I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to really scratch that itch uh, think, for me yeah, personally. It's, it's techy and mathy, but it isn't tech metal. It's way more tech, like like technical hardcore kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you'll like it. I'm stoked. Well, man, I really appreciate it, and uh, well, I'll catch up with you um, in the future. We, I don't think sure. we, I don't think you and I have ever really technically stopped talking. So you know, <laughs> it's cool. There's long pauses. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. It happens, but uh, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, we're looking forward to that, to that record coming out. And, uh, I may even, uh, maybe even pull you on again, uh, after it comes out and we'll talk about it and break it down and go song by song. I'd love to get Brian Gray on to do that as well. Um, I know he's, uh, he, he's, he's podcast silent for the time being, but, uh, hopefully that doesn't last forever. I can do a Brian Gray impression. If you need me to, I can pretend to be him. Dude. I felt so bad. He sent me a message. He, he recorded like, 30 seconds of him talking and I was like, dude, I, okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. He's like, oh, he, like a hundred percent. He's not, he's not just blowing me off. You know, like yeah. it's not, it's he's not, not like that. And he says he can't sing and he can't uh, scream and he can't talk. He, he's not faking. The poor guy blew his throat out and I'm only making fun of him because I consider him a dear friend and I love him. And that's, that, that, that means I like you when I make fun of you. So. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention now that we bring that up. Uh, so on mother's day, uh, there was a cover song posted oh, on, on Facebook, <laughs> and you did lead vocals, and that's, I mean, it's a, it was a Stretch Armstrong yeah, uh, yeah. song. Uh, t- tell me about that. How, why'd you guys decide to do that? That that was, that was <laughs> did absolutely, absolutely made my day. That, w- that was like what got me to be like, yeah, I can go tear some roots out in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's funny. When you texted me. And you were like, dude, that was a great cover. And I was like, oh, it's out? Dude, I'm yeah. not on social media. Yeah, yeah, no yeah you're Brian a ghost. Me a copy. He sent me a copy in my phone, but it wasn't a link. It was just the actual video. So I thought it was still in the, what do you think? Should we change anything phase? <laughs> you were like, dude, this is great. I was like, oh, I guess it's live. I seriously was like, I watched it once and was like, okay, cool. That's that's happening now. Went outside and worked in my yard until dinner time. I, dude. Dude, the Stretch Armstrong old school vocals. You nailed yeah. it. I I you yes, nailed it. Hundred yes, percent. When I scream, it doesn't come out with that nice throaty Bruce from Living Sacrifice growl. It doesn't have the Jason Wisdom. I have that higher screechy snapcase thing going, I guess. And uh, yeah, Brian, I guess the Blamed are kind of not officially having a vocalist. They're kind of they kind of handing it around and everything. I guess even, it's a, even the new record had a whole bunch of different people doing vocals. exactly. Yeah. It's it's a real problem now that Brian kind of wrecked his voice. So um, he he was like, I'm thinking about getting this person, thinking about getting this person. He was telling me about which songs to do. And I said, I call Stretch Armstrong totally joking around because I thought it would be fun to do the one, two, three, go. And that would be the end of it. Right. And he was like, well, you got to do the thank yous. You got to do the. You, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, there are more vocals in that than I. It's got to be the uh, real deal. Yeah. Oh, granted. Oh, yeah, there's all that, too. So I was like, I'll just do the whole song. Just pick what you want. And he liked it. So, yeah. So I just screamed my ass off and they kept it. Now I'm on a cover album uh, with The Blamed with Jim on drums, Rocky Gray. I didn't even know Rocky Gray was the guitarist in that song. Until How I cool the- is that? I know. I'm in a song with Rocky now. How cool is that? Love yeah. that, dude. So. 
Yeah, what an honor, man! They, it's I, I really feel like they they kind of knocked it out of the park for vocals on that EP, and then got me involved. <laughs> they have like the, I don't know who the lady is who sang the Scattered Few song, but she nailed it. It sounds so good, and Wisdom can't do wrong vocally. I think he's got one of the better metal voices ever. Yeah, he's and one then, of the best. Yeah, and then me, my dumbass, took one take. Brian was like, your mic's out of phase. Are you standing too close? I was like, yeah, I'm standing. I didn't even pull my curtain over. He's like, do it again. I'm like, okay, fuck. <laughs> I'm an idiot. But, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it was totally for fun. I did not think it was going to be as serious as it got, and now that happened. So That's awesome. Well, I'm sure I'm- that moved tens and thousands of units, right? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and end it right there, and I'm going to turn off the recorder as of now. 